Welcome to Game Week 5 everyone, Jill is here. Just a quick message about an event happening in Sydney on the 8th of October. If you're as crazy about FPL as we are, we're all heading to the FPL Social Meetup, Australia's biggest meetup of the FPL community. An action football stacked event with Australia's biggest FPL content creators, FPL debates and panels, food and beers, the big quiz, followed by the A-League and then on to the city to watch live Premier League at Cheers Bar. In partnership with Ultra Football, it is not to be missed. Head to fplsocial.com.au to take advantage of the early bird offer now. Hopefully we'll see you there. Now on with the pod. Fantasy managers, hello and welcome back to another instalment of the FPL Addicts Game Week Review Show. Myself and Ollie are stepping in for Reedy and Mikey, the FPL Reverend, today. And we're going to go through a couple of highlights of teams and players from Game Week 4, which really stood out to us and will help you with your selection for Game Week 5. And obviously with the short turnaround, the first set of midweek games in the Premier League this season, we're hoping that you guys enjoy this one. But Ollie, how are you doing, mate? I'm very, very well, mate. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's a bit weird to be replacing, you know, the, the two Scousers on the podcast. You know, we could whip out the Scouse accent at times, maybe to make the viewers feel a little bit more settled. But um, we've got the uh, the Northerner on the podcast still by accent. And unfortunately, I've got the Southern accent. But I am a Northerner by birth. So uh, we're pretty much the same thing, but better. Um, so it doesn't really matter. But we will get straight into things <laughs> because we want to keep this as short and compact as possible. Because of that short turnaround, we know that people just want the information and what they should should be doing with their FPL team. So, Ollie, we're going to talk about a couple of games here and we're going to start with Liverpool-Bournemouth 9-0. First of all, what a mental result that ended up being. Yeah, of course. Certainly was. Uh, 9-0 and, and no Salah contribution was 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 mental. Uh, yeah, as you say, just thought I'd bring out the Scouse accent so we can uh, get a bit of, um, you know, they're always here, Reverend and, uh, and uh, Chris, aren't we? Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll get them involved. And uh, one of the two was very, very happy. 9-0. Um, obviously, Luis Diaz was unreal. Harvey Elliott, that was, was nice to see. Obviously, me being a Rovers fan, that was nice to see him score. Trent with an absolute belter, of course. We knew that. I was, deep down, I knew it was going to happen. And we'll talk more about this on, on the preview show. I Yeah, this was always going to happen. But, you know, you live to regret these decisions. But, yeah, Liverpool were so good, weren't they? They really, really were, you know, from start to finish, you know, three minutes in to the to the 90th minute, they just dominated them. Um, you know, Bournemouth didn't even get a half chance, um, I don't really think. So it was a pretty surreal game to watch. And, you know, another 9-0 that the Premier League has, has brought to us. We've had a couple in recent years, which is kind of mental to say. But um, it wasn't Southampton this, far, this time, so a lot of their fans were delighted by that. But... No Mohamed Salah return, nine goals, Liverpool, not even assist, no goal for him. Um, you know, a lot of people captained him this week. Bournemouth at home was a very favourable fixture. And, um, you know, he missed two sitters as well, Ollie, didn't he? So it wasn't his best game. He was definitely overshadowed by a lot of other players. Yeah, you look at that as well. The amount of players that have contributed there, you've got Diaz, Elliott, Alexander-Arnold, Firmino, Van Dijk, Carvalho, Robertson, Simicast. There's a lot of names there and you're just so used to seeing even, you know, Liverpool win one or two nil. Salah's always there. They win nine and he's not involved on the score sheet. It's crazy. But yeah, it's it's not looking good for Bournemouth, is it? They had a win early in the year against Villa, who themselves look pretty awful. Um, it's really not looking good for Bournemouth this year. 
Yeah, I think they uh, they must have peaked at game week one, and uh, it's just going to be all downhill from there. I love the uh, the little bit of Jurgen Klopp giving Scott Parker a hug on like the 85th minute, and he was just sort of saying, you know, what are you meant to do against these lot because they absolutely dominated them. But yeah, no Salah return this week, unfortunately. Um, it's a bit similar to the Havertz one last year, I think, when they played Norwich. Um, Chelsea scored seven and there was absolutely nothing that Kai Havertz did. So it's just one of those freak things in FPL where it just happens um, and there's nothing that you can really do about it. We were obviously watching nine of the goals fly in and absolutely nothing from Salah, which was a shame to see. But, um, you know, the, the likes of Harvey Elliott, and uh, Carvalho getting their first goals for the club was uh, was nice to see and definitely one to watch FPL-wise as well with Harvey Elliott being that cheap uh, enabler midfielder price if he's going to be getting minutes now with a couple of injuries. We've got to talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold though, Ollie, and Andy Robertson. And I know you're not going to want to talk about Trent too much. I had both of them in my side. I've held them for four game weeks, finally waiting for a return, and they did in abundance this week for me. Um, you know, they look back to their best, I think. And this was the Liverpool, you know, much, much similar to Liverpool. They look back to their best. And I think when the team play well, it really just helps Robertson and Trent because it gives them that license to go forward and get the crosses into the box. And they were just doing that all day long, um, you know, hence their return. So they were really, really good. Their best performances of the year um, in this game. Would you agree? Uh, I mean, yeah, because they've not really done anything else leading up to this point. They've had Fulham... Crystal Palace and United games that they all go in favourites for and they've, you know, faltered in all three and they come up against Bournemouth and you're just thinking, are they going to make it four? Is it going to be one of those where they just have a bad day at the office and Bournemouth potentially, you know, maybe hold them to a one or two nil? Um, but no, they, they were ruthless. They were wonderful. And like you said, they were both back to their best. The, the amount of crosses they put in was unreal. Um, and Trent and Robertson, you'd say in their position, top three in the world, I think. So when they get started and get going, they're very, very hard to stop. And, um, you know, it's it, from a, from, you know, just from a football point of view, away from, away from FPL, you know, for Liverpool, it's, you know, it's good for them to see that they can attack from both sides. They can go left and right, um, which in an FPL sense, you know, helps out for everybody else because all the attackers in the middle are just getting crosses put onto them, you know, put on a platter for them, you know, a number amount of times a game. So, yeah, Liverpool do look back to their best. It is only Bournemouth, but then again, 9 nils, 9 nil. You know, a 9 nil win in the Premier League, no matter if it's Bournemouth or not, is, is still absolutely crazy. Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, Bournemouth, we spoke about it on the podcast last week. There's a couple of favourable fixtures, I think, this season. But, you know, if your team with the assets in your team, sorry, I've got Bournemouth at home. Um, I think that's probably one of the best fixtures that you're going to get. And Liverpool really showed that this week. You know, you were saying Fulham at home is quite a favourable one, but... Bournemouth um, away at Anfield this week just absolutely crumbled. Um, a lot of their players just didn't look up to it and uh, they really weren't up for the fight. So I think Bournemouth at home is definitely, you know, sort of the Norwich of this season. If you say, yeah. you know, last season, if, if a team had Norwich at home, you're thinking, I want their assets in my team. I think if they've got Bournemouth at home this week or even Bournemouth away, um, you know, you should definitely be going for for that team's assets. And Liverpool really just showed why that was the fact this week. But it has been up and down, as you say, Ollie, because, you know, they obviously beat Villa in game week one. Not a lot of people expected that. So it's been a very interesting start to the Premier League this season. There's been a lot of upsets so far. So it is difficult to predict. So, you know, in a couple of game weeks time, we could be saying, you know, does it really, is it really the case for Bournemouth? They could, uh, you know, bounce back and find their feet. So it really is anyone's guess at this point. But 
Louis Diaz was a, a player that you had, the Colombian Luis Diaz, uh, as Chazza Roberts would call him. Um, he obviously managed to show what he's all about, you know, two headed goals this week for him. Um, so that really just shows, you know, his versatility, one from a corner, one from a cross in. So he's looking fairly essential at the minute for managers, isn't he, at that eight million price point? Yeah, Chaz would call him the Brazilian Luis Diaz. You wouldn't actually call him by his actual nationality, but he uh, looked good, didn't he? I, three minutes in, I remember, you know, we were you know, on a call watching the game and, you know, I was thinking third minute in, Diaz has scored. I'm thinking, oh, I'm on for a great week here. And then it all kind of just crumbled when, uh, you know, because I was just saying the whole time, I just want Bournemouth just to grab a goal, even if they get beat five or six one. Then uh, <clears throat> at least my decision to get rid of Trent is somewhat vindicated, but that wasn't the case. Um, obviously, Liverpool did wonderfully. The amount of players that we've listed just shows how good they were. In terms of Bournemouth, it can go one or two ways this. They can either be in a slump for weeks and be down in the dumps and get battered four or five times again, or it turns round. It'll be interesting to watch Bournemouth over the next couple of weeks just to see which way it goes, whether they turn it round or, you know, whether, you know, sort of not queuing the rat kind of stuff, but, you know, whether they just crumble again. Um, so that'll be the next interesting one, I think, because uh, most people are looking at this from... Um, from a Liverpool aspect, and rightly so, but of course there's two sides to every story. And um, Bournemouth at the moment look like, you know, they look like the whipping boys of the league, don't they, as it stands. But yeah. of course that could change. Wolves at home next week um, and then Forest away. So a couple of okay fixtures, um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see how, uh, how they go. Certainly, certainly. And, you know, as Jack's saying there in the chat, what about the Trent dumpers? And there uh, we have one sitting below me on the screen there. So, uh, yeah, I think the less said about that one, the better. Um, wasn't too, He wasn't too happy seeing that Trent goal fly in. And then obviously he had that fairly controversial assist, I'll say, for, for Chris Meppham's own goal. I still can't really wrap my head around why that one was allowed to stand. But um, that doesn't really matter because he got me FPL points and he got a lot of people FPL points. I think it was around 350,000 people transferred him out this week, if I'm not mistaken. That was the, the latest numbers that I saw. So a lot of unhappy um, Trent you know, sellers this week, oh. but um, it was a, a mental week um, for Liverpool. And obviously they've, they've finally found their feet in the Premier League this season. Um, their title rivals, I guess we can still call them title rivals because we expect Liverpool to be up there um, this season. Manchester City came from two goals down to, to beat Crystal Palace uh, 4-2 in the end. And that was the the early Haaland show, wasn't it, Ollie? You know, three goals for him. His first of many Premier League hat-tricks, I'm sure, um, his first of the season, I'm, I'm certain he will get more, but he was just absolutely unplayable again. Every single one of his goals, um, you know, the second one, right place, right time, took his first one, headed beautifully. And his third one, you just cannot keep up with him. You know, he's got the pace, he's got the strength, shrugs off the defender and just manages to slot it in bottom left. So he is just an absolute machine. And I think he is essential at this point, Ollie. I don't know what you're thinking about him, but I think he is as essential as it gets. Well, the way he's going, he's not going to be transferred out of my team. Um, it's, you know, it's amazing. The Nordic meat shield, as, as Chaz coined earlier in the year, unreal. Um, it didn't start well for Man City. You can forget that they were 2-0 down inside the opening half hour. Um, and obviously, Palace did well against them last season, took four points off them uh, last season with a draw at their place and a win away at the Etihad. So you're just thinking, are they going to do it again? Are they City's bogey side, but they rolled back second half? Slightly fortuitous with the Bernardo Silva goal to get them back into it. Um, but from then on, they never really looked like um, never really looked like losing it. Haaland with a good hat-trick. And 
a lot of FPL points. It's, it's a frustrating one because I know we'll, we a little bit later we'll talk about Tottenham and, and Harry Kane very briefly um, after their win. But it's so hard to get all these strikers and everyone's gone big at the back. We need to go big up top because you've got Haaland, you've got Jesus, you've got Harry Kane, Ivan Toni all doing really well, Mitrovic. So it's so, so tough to like get all these players in. But I think Haaland is essential. You're right. I was, I'm the exact same as you, mate. I could not agree more. You know, you can only have three strikers at the end of the day and I'm looking at my team personally and I've got Ivan Tony and Gabriel Jesus and then a bench striker and I'm thinking, right, so all I've got to do is get Haaland and Kane into my team then. But then I'm like, oh, but I don't want to get rid of Tony or Jesus. So which one do I get rid of? So, you know, if you could play a four up top, I'm sure a lot of people would at this point in the season because, you know, if you need to have Harry Kane, Jesus, Haaland, Tony and Mitrovic, it seems like at the minute, because they are all just scoring FPL points for fun. So it is difficult, but you've got to, uh, you know, play your cards wisely and pick the the strikers that you think. Um, and obviously it would be a much easier decision for someone like me who's looking to bring in a premium striker if Harry Kane doesn't go and bag um, two goals this morning. But, you know, he, he finds a way to... Um, to do that and obviously unlucky not to get his hat-trick with that that penalty save from Dean Henderson. So, you know, it really is a difficult choice at the minute between Haaland and Kane because they are both just scoring. Um, and Harry Kane scoring in August is just absolutely unheard of as well. So after August, yeah. he's going to just unleash an absolute different beast to the Premier League, I'm sure, because he obviously has his August curse. But not this season. It seems he's transferred that onto Heung-Min Son. Um, who's one that is frustrating me personally. But we're not here to talk about Son. We're here to talk about Man City. They're defenders, as we were talking about, Oli. They conceded two goals very early on, um, both, you know, coming from set pieces. It was a bit of a worry for me. Um, I have two City defenders in my team. I've got Walker and Cancelo, but they looked a little bit shaky. And especially, you know, if it's a game at home, you don't want to see them conceding two goals inside 21 minutes against the likes of Crystal Palace, um, especially if you're going to be doubling or tripling up on on these defenders, do you? Well, it's an interesting one because they've conceded five in the last two, obviously three to your two and two against Palace. So I'm in the same boat. I've got Edison and Cancelo. Cancelo obviously offers a lot going forward. So you're sort of thinking, well, you can maybe stick with him. Um, Having Edison, though, 5.5, conceding five in two games, you know, especially even though they've taken four points from those games, it's it's interesting because you want you know you're thinking you've got these four point five keepers, you've got you know David Raya, Davinson Sanchez around those price points, Edouard Mendy's at five, who a lot of people have gone with. Um, you've got you know even Burger King's favourite Nick Pope is there. If you want to have a go at him, I, I don't know, I don't know what you fancy, uh, but you know you're just thinking is Edison too much? You've got the double Leicester goalkeepers um, that a lot of people that have also had in their team. So maybe Edison slightly too much, although if you've got a defender, if you've got someone like Cancelo, I I think you'd um, you'd hold him. But you know, after my Trent debacle, you know, take anything I say with caution. He'll probably go and concede another five now. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the the fixtures that they've got coming up, they've got Nottingham Forest, and then they've got Villa, then Tottenham, then Wolves, then Man United. So favourable fixtures for the next two weeks. And then, um, you know, you're looking at Tottenham, Wolves and Man United, who are definitely all capable opposition um, against Man City. So it really is anyone's guess. We've got a live comment from Jack here, Ollie, and it brings me on to my next point perfectly. He said he's made his move already. Haaland in for Kane, even after his haul. Do you reckon that's a good move? But the thing that we want to talk about is Pep Roulette and, uh, you know, the possibility that, you know, with the, the games in quick succession, 
you know, is Haaland potentially going to get benched this week? Is De Bruyne going to get benched this week? Are we going to see some chopping and changing of teams, you know, even before the Champions Leagues even started um, in Man City's side this week? Do you think that they're going to, he's going to make changes uh, to his starting eleven? Um, you never know with, with Pep Guardiola, but he has a history of, of changing the team quite a lot. So you've sometimes I think got to err on the side of caution. I'm not sure about that move. I, I initially read it the other way to bring Kane in for Haaland. I'm thinking, what are you doing? Um, I prefer Haaland in for Kane. I think Haaland's a better FPL asset. I think you've got to be careful with, with Harry Kane, though. He's someone that I want to transfer in, but with the 80%... Um, ownership from Gabriel Jesus. I don't really want to move off him and there's no way I'm moving off Haaland. So I suppose, but it's it's tough to transfer someone in off a double and you know probably should have had a hat-trick if not for a very good penalty save. Um, so it's a really interesting one. I don't really want to make much comment. I would just want to see how it goes for the next couple of weeks to see if it works out. Obviously, you'd, you'd like both of them, but as we've already alluded to, it's tough to get them both in. Um, but I think Haaland's probably better than Kane at the moment. So I'd say... I'd say probably a good decision, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair analysis as well. Um, you know, it really is anyone's guess for who's going to haul the biggest in every single game week. It's just, you know, the battle of the the two big strikers. So, as I said, it's anyone's guess, um, but Haaland and Kane, I think you've got to definitely have at least one of them in your side. And if you can manage to fit both of them into your team and then have a, a Gabriel Jesus or an Ivan Tony up top, then... Uh, you probably don't have salary in your team, but I'm sure it probably looks good elsewhere because, you know, there's all these premium assets. We talk so much about, you know, having one or two premiums in your team, but it just looks like you've got to go big with these strikers and obviously the midfielders as well. So it's difficult. You know, we only get 100 million budget and there's already been a lot of price drops and a couple of price rises this season already. So my uh, my team value is rapidly deteriorating as we speak and um, hopefully it can uh, manage to find its way back up there but um, obviously City versus Palace was a, a brilliant fixture this week another sort of comeback for Man City as well and um, that's the second for them in two weeks but as you said Ollie, a little bit worrying considering they have conceded five to Newcastle and Palace in the past two weeks Chelsea worrying that they conceded to Leicester City at home um, especially for a, a Chelsea double defence owner like me I've got Mendy and Cucurella um Leicester have not started the season well at all. It's uh, very safe to say that. But from a Chelsea perspective, you know, Cucurella assist and a Reese James assist, you know, FPL managers can't really ask for for too much more than that. You know, the the two attacking wingbacks, um, Reese James obviously playing a little bit more defensive these days as a, a right centre-back, but they both managed to get an assist for themselves. So they're really showing what they're all about still uh, this season at Chelsea, aren't they? Yeah, certainly, and I think it's weird to see Harvey Barnes not score. Uh, sorry, Harvey Barnes scoring it not be an equaliser. That's the one thing I want to take out of this one. But Raheem Sterling has been a wonderful player for years. He's you know, um, bit of a shirt collector now, isn't he? With with Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, playing at all the big clubs. Man United, next. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, yeah, he scores goals wherever he goes. Though even in an England shirt, he uh, he scores goals, um, and he's got a double here. Um, he's some player and, you know, maybe an outside charge, you know, it's not something you've uh, heard many people go with Raheem Sterling. Um, and that's a bit harsh because he's a wonderful player. He's one of my favourites, definitely when he plays for England. Um, but yeah, he's um, got himself another double and uh, maybe put himself on the FPL radar. I think Cucurella and James were there already. Um, I think, you know, they're in a lot of teams. I think you were a bit frustrated or, you know, we've uh, we've had chats with many people who are frustrated with uh, Cucurella 
getting assists, but that's by the by. Um, I was very happy to have uh, Reese James in, um, and I think yeah, pretty much other than the uh, the Leicester goal, it, it went pretty much to plan for Chelsea and for FPL managers. Yeah, certainly. Obviously, they were playing with 10 men for most of the game. So they were uh, not somewhat lucky to come away from the game with uh, all three points there because, you know, judging from the passages of play that I saw, it looks like they controlled the game fairly well and towards the end, um, Leicester sort of tried to create a little fight back, but unfortunately weren't able to. And we spoke a little, about, a little bit about Mendy before, Ollie, you know, and you spoke about Edison as well. Are these premium sort of level goalkeepers, are they really worth it? You know, when you've got the likes of Sanchez and Raya at 4.5 million, even Dean Henderson. And I know Sanchez has risen now, but, you know, is it really worth spending that extra 0.5, 0.4 million on these, uh, on these goalkeepers when you can just go budget again? Budget was the way last season. Um, everyone thought, you know, because the, the keepers had a little bit of a price drop this season, that uh, you know a, a good goalkeeper was going to be the way that it was going to go, but you know, do you think people are going to change their ways now? I think a lot of people might. Um, with a premium goalkeeper myself, I'm thinking about it. Um, there are a lot of 4.5 million goalkeepers as well, or, or around that price. I know you said Sanchez is risen, but sub five, if you will, um, lower than Mendy that are performing at the moment. Um, it's something that a lot of managers are going to think about. I've got to think about it. Um, Edison at 5.5 as well is just it's a lot of money for a keeper. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's good to see so many keepers do well. But I know one strategy that a lot of people have taken is the two Leicester keepers with uh, Daniel Everson and Ward. Um, Everson's dropped to 3.9, did well in the League Cup, but hasn't seen any league action yet. So that's a bit of an interesting one. What do you reckon about, about the Leicester situation? Is that one you just abandon? Well, first of all, it's uh, it's nice to see you in the the live chat, uh, FPL Rubber Ducky. I'm a very potent face of our community, so always nice to see you. But um, my stance on the the double Leicester goalkeepers is the exact same as it was before a ball had even been kicked in the Premier League this season. I do not like it in the slightest. I think it is just a little bit silly, um, based on the fact that Leicester just cannot defend to save their lives. They just leak goals constantly. Um, I think it was definitely a good way to raise funds elsewhere on the pitch. Um, But I think that, you know, people can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it as going, you know, goalkeepers don't often get your points anyway. You know, it takes one goal and their week's ruined. So you might as well just go cheap um, and hope for the best. But, you know, it's four game weeks in now and Leicester have conceded a handful of goals. Um, They haven't kept a clean sheet all season. Um, they're, they're really, really struggling. Um, and I feel like they're going to be bottom around the bottom of the, the Premier League this season. I think they'll, they'll definitely stay up, but um, I think they're definitely going to struggle to find their feet this season. So it's just not the way for me. I think, you know, you've got to find that extra minimum of 0.5 million just to upgrade to someone like David Raya, who just has better fixtures. And Brentford's defence just looks substantially better. Um, than Leicester's at the minute. So for me, Ollie, I think, yeah, if you can get rid of the the double four million goalkeepers, keep one of them on your bench by all means. I've got Ward on my bench because, you know, if if Mendy gets suspended or if he gets injured um, and I don't want to burn a free transfer on a goalkeeper for one week, I can play him and then make my moves. But I think having both of them, it's just not the way for me. I think it's definitely worth upgrading to a better goalkeeper, but I don't know what your opinion is on it. Yeah, I, I've messed around my team a little bit and looking to, you know, potentially play a wild card in a couple of weeks. And I had a look at the double Leicester. I don't really like it either, but it's something that I might have to do if I'm desperate. Um, 
I don't really want to do it, but yeah, I think Leicester are too shaky at the back. They're too porous. There's no sort of cohesion. It doesn't look like with uh, with Leicester's defenses we've seen in previous years. Cashless Michael's obviously been there a very long time and now gone. So um, yeah, I don't like Leicester's defense. I think they'll uh, be in a little bit of trouble this season. I reckon. Yeah, I definitely think they're going to find themselves around the the bottom of the league um, again. Don't think they'll get relegated. Um, wouldn't put it past them because they are on a, a bit of a slump of form. Depends, you know, they're the only team in Europe to have not made a signing this summer. Um, and, you know, there's heavy rumours with a lot of their players um, links away. You know, Wesley Fofana looks like his move to Chelsea is pretty much all but done. James Madison's been linked with moves away constantly. Um, same with Yuri Tielemans. So, you know, it's not looking good um, for Brendan Rodgers' side, but um, yeah, we'll just have to see how they do this season. And it's a shame because, you know, the past couple of years, Leicester have had some brilliant FPL assets. You know, Harvey Barnes, Timothy Castagna, Ricardo Pereira, if you've been going back two or three seasons now. And Jamie Vardy obviously scores goals for fun, but they're just struggling to find their feet this season. And um, yeah, it's not exactly shown promising signs um, of things to change. So we'll just have to see how that one goes. But um, they are the three games that we've sort of highlighted um, from this week. We've got a couple of assets that we just want to talk about quickly. We've highlighted two. The first one that I want to talk about, Ollie, is Pascal Gross. And if you had told me at the start of the season that we'd be talking about Pascal Gross is a an asset that you should be having in your team uh, by game week four, I would have called you an idiot because Brighton, they don't like to score too many goals, but Pascal Gross is just on absolute fire so far this season. He's the second highest scoring midfielder, only behind Rodrigo at Leeds. So, Two absolute shockers this season, um, being the highest point scorers in midfield so far. Gross has got 35 points um, so far this season, which is just wow. absolutely mental. It is. And of course, I went with Rodrigo this week. Of course, <laughs> I went with the wrong one of the two. Um, but no, he's been brilliant, hasn't he? He's been wonderful. His uh, double against United was was wonderful, even though United are United. Uh, or this year, at least. Like, you know, it's a brilliant goal, uh, brilliant double. Um, and a brilliant start to the season for him. He, you know, when he first moved to the Premier League, I think a few people went with him um, as, you know, a bit of an outside shout. And, you know, we're sort of returning to that a little bit. I don't mind it. Uh, he's doing really well and uh, hopefully he keeps the form up. Yeah, I think for me this week, um, I will be bringing him in. Um, I've already spoken to you off air, but I think I'm going to be taking a hit um, and making two free transfers. And he will be one of my midfielders um, for, you know, the next couple of game weeks because I do plan to wildcard. So, you know, if he does well for me in the next couple of weeks, then that's great. Um, if he doesn't, then, you know, he'll just be wildcarded out of my team and, uh, you know, that'll be it. But um, yeah, he's really, really surprised me so far. He's been a really good asset um, for Brighton so far. So he's definitely one to keep your eye on, um, you know, in and around that price point as well. You can't really do too much better for, for 5.8 million. Um, obviously, Rodrigo, I think, is six and a half now. So, you know, 5.8 million for Pascal Gross. He's a, an FPL manager's dream at the minute. And Brighton have got some really nice fixtures, uh, especially in their next four. They've got Fulham away, Leicester at home, Bournemouth away, then Crystal Palace at home. So four very, you know, competent fixtures for, for Brighton to, to do something from and definitely for Pascal Gross to get a return from. The second asset that we're going to talk about, Oli, is Ivan Perisic. And he is a man that I have not had in my team all season. I think you've got him in your team now, you were saying. And um, obviously, in the past two weeks, he's really shown what he's all about. So he's one that I think we're going to be seeing a lot of people transferring in this week. Yeah, he's coming to my team. I transferred him in this morning for, for Zinchenko. 
after the price fall, which was frustrating, but um, it is what it is. I think Perisic is, is looking really good, playing you know quite high up the pitch for someone labelled as a defender in FPL. So I think all systems go on that one. I really like the transfer, plays for a decent team, decent defence, gets forward, um, and obviously you know has got an assist earlier on the season. And so you know you look at it and you go, is he one you can look at? And I'd certainly say that he is. He definitely, definitely is. Um, obviously got that assist and the clean sheet against Wolves and then the clean sheet this morning uh, against Nottingham Forest as well. So he looks to be doing the goods for Spurs and for FPL managers at the minute, you know, playing as a wing back, but down as a defender. Um, so he's going to get you the extra points for a goal. Um, so we'll sure we'll see him, um, you know, put one in the back of the net at some point soon. Speaking of Spurs, Ollie, you know, they're a team that have impressed so far at the start of the season I would say they definitely look like a a fairly ruthless side under Antonio Conte you know the players that they brought in like Perisic have definitely strengthened their team we saw you know another one of the signings for Charlton get absolutely cropped this morning which was uh, absolutely brilliant to see that one in somewhere but um, Harry Kane on fire as we said in August which is fairly unheard of for him so you know Spurs are they just going to continue to to keep going up and up do you think? I reckon so. They've got a lot of options. Obviously, Son hasn't been his best this year, but outside of that, Kane, Kulosevsky, Perisic have all been unreal. Um, And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of assets to look at from a Tottenham point of view. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you there. And then the second team that we've highlighted is Manchester United. And, um, you know, all it takes is two game weeks. And then, you know, you're starting talking about bringing in all these Man United assets into your team. Two wins on the bounce for them. One against Liverpool, one against Southampton. And, uh, you know, is it time, Ollie, to, to start trusting the Man United assets a little bit more? Potentially. Diogo Dalla got himself an assist and he's one that, you know, he's quite cheap, cut price. Could have a look at him as a potential differential. Uh, clean sheet and an assist at the weekend. Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford potentially as options. So, yeah, there are a few options there. Exercise with caution, but you've got to think about them, I think, now. Yeah, and obviously, Anthony, the uh, the big signing, which who's going to be arriving in the next couple of days um, as well, is going to be absolutely huge for them, I think. Not too sure how he's going to fit into the whole, you know, grand scheme of it in the system, um, but we'll just have to wait and see with that one. But he is certainly an exciting player. Um, he's, he's absolutely lit it up on fire in the Champions League. I think there was a game where he assisted three or four last, last season. Um, I think it was a way to to sporting. So he's definitely one to keep an eye on. He's worked with Ten Hag before. Um, obviously, so has Martinez, the uh, the new centre-back. So they're doing a little bit of a, a raid of Ajax, aren't they, Oli? They're taking all the players, Ten Hag, saying, come back with me to Manchester, follow me. Yeah, and they haven't managed to get De Jong over the line, which is, uh, obviously, he was there at one point. Um, so they can't co- uh, they can't completely complete the Ajax reunion. But uh, they've got a few in the door. Uh, obviously, with Van der Beek as well, uh, they're building a, a mini Ajax. So, uh, yeah, it's certainly interesting to see that they've done that. But it makes sense, obviously, with uh, Ten Hag being the gaffer at United now. Yeah, it certainly, certainly does. And, um, yeah, as you said, exercise with caution with the Man United assets because no one's really sure. You know, all it's going to take is one game week for them um, and they can start crumbling again. But I think it's definitely worth, you know, just keeping your eye um, you know, in the rearview mirror, seeing what Man United are up to. As you said, Dallow looking like a fairly good option, cheap. 
um, gets minutes at fullback and obviously got forward and got the assist for that Bruno Fernandes goal this weekend. So it really is anybody's guess at the minute. But Ollie, that's going to wrap us up for today. This has been your Game Week review show. Just before we finish up, I want to give a quick mention to the upcoming Champions League fantasy leagues that we are going to be running. Spoke about the Champions League a little bit today uh, on stream, but um, if you're loving FPL, you'll absolutely love the Champions League fantasy. We said it with you know, last season and with the Euro fantasy and there'll be the World Cup as well. So it's a great way, first of all, to, you know, find your feet and figure out how the UEFA fantasies really work um, for the upcoming World Cup on at the end of this year. But it's also a brilliant competition to get involved with all the biggest football stars from around the world. Um, that's obviously why there's no Man United players in there or any Arsenal players. <laughs> but um, it's a really good thing to get involved with. And it's obviously only nine days away now. So you've got to get your teams in fairly quickly. Um, but if you want to get involved... Uh, our free mini league and our members league for cash prize will be there if you look at the link tree in the description down below. We ran it last season. It was great fun um, and we can't wait to get it running again for this season. So, Ollie, do you have any final words of wisdom uh, as we close the book on Game Week 4 and enter a new chapter of Game Week 5? Never sell Trent Alexander-Arnold in FPL. There's my words of wisdom. Good luck for Game there Week 5. There we go. Bournemouth at home is all you need to say and Ollie will start crying. Um, he's already done by game week four, but um, you had a, you ended up having a good week, so it doesn't really matter. But um, I, I, the average. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call that good. Definitely learned your lesson at this point, haven't you? It was better than me, so that you can call it a good week because you did better all than right, me. Right, you'll have to find out how we did on the stream tomorrow night. Same time, same bat channel um, on the FPL Addicts social pages and YouTube. So keep an eye out for that one for the Game Week 5 preview show. We'll go into a lot more depth uh, on our teams and how we ended up going and a better look at certain assets that you should be targeting for Game Week 5. But until then, take care, stay safe, and uh, may all your FPL dreams come true in Game Week 5 if I don't speak to you before then. But enjoy. Bye for now. <laughs>